and welcome to Breaking Lines, episode two. My name's David Van Corter. I have with me Simon Cockle. Hello. And Jay Ward. Hello. If you heard our first podcast, you'll know that this is all about poetry and uh, we'll be con- continuing on that theme. Many poems, many uh, some feedback from you as well. In part one, we'll be reading three of our favourite poems and uh, having a bit of discussion about them. Uh, in, uh, we'll then be setting a workshop for you to do during the musical break. Uh, in part two, we're going to have a theme. We're going to be talking about comedy gold in poetry. Then uh, we might do another workshop. And after that, uh, we're going to have your feedback and some poems that you've contributed based on the last episode. So, without further diversions, I'll read my first poem. Now, this is uh, an old favourite, and it's by Philip Larkin. I first came across this poem when it was it popped up in the Whitson Weddings, which I was studying for A level, and uh, it's it's stuck with me ever since. Um, just love everything about it. Let's let's. Uh, I'll read it to you first, and then we can talk. It's called Broadcast. Giant whispering and coughing from vast Sunday full and organ frowned on spaces. Precede a sudden scuttle on the drum. The queen and huge resettling. Then begins a snivel on the violins. I think of your face among all those faces. Beautiful and devout before cascades of monumental slithering. One of your gloves unnoticed on the floor beside those new, slightly outmoded shoes. Here it goes quickly dark. I lose all but the outline of the still and withering leaves on the half-emptied trees. Behind the glowing wave bands, rabid storms of cording, by being distant, overpower my mind all the more shamelessly. Their cut-off shout, leaving me desperate to pick out your hands, tiny in all that air, applauding. So, Philip Larkin, broadcast, written in 1961 for his then-partner, uh, Maeve Brennan, um, who uh, died, uh, he died in 2003. But uh, uh, she did um, say that this was, uh, you know, it was a poem about her, and she's, uh, there's some quotes you can find about that, she said. Um, and it's, it, the, the setting of this poem is the, um, the idea that uh, Larkin is listening to a radio broadcast of um, the classical concert, and um, Maeve is in is in the audience, and he's trying to listen for her. Um, so he's he's listening, and, and she's there. So you've got what I like about this poem is it's it's, it's, a, it's a love poem, uh, but it's got a, a sense of humour to it as well. Um, uh, typical of, of Larkin in, when he's got, got a kind of a light a light touch. Uh, so some of his stuff can get a bit heavy, can get really into kind of death and how awful death is and this mm. kind of thing um but here he he, he takes he, he takes a step back from that and, and what what the poem does is it, it uh takes this idea of distance and how a relationship is based on two people and this broadcast is connecting the two of them so it, it's full of all this kind of sound sound waves this idea of the hiss and, and the and every little detail of, of this broadcast um but what it's really about is is his relationship with her mm. so it takes this very kind of sort of an everyday idea um and try, tries to make um important about the, the sense of the individual in society 
because the, the, these people at the concert represent all, all the other people in the world, you know, all the people who he doesn't know. They're just a noise. They're just part of the hissing. They're just part of the background, part of the interference. But this one person who he's trying to pick out, tiny it all in all that air, that, that's what's important. Um, and he makes all these little, little jokes about, you know, all these in-jokes. The slightly outmoded shoes, uh, Maeve wrote, that, that that was an in-joke between the two of them that, about her, her own shoes. The gloves, she was often losing her gloves. Um, but the glove also represents this this relationship mm. between them. Um, and, uh, and it's full of these... Uh, we've got one of my favourite lines in all of Larkin in here, which is... Um, uh, where is it here... Uh, then begins a snivel on the violins. I love that. Yeah. Um, but this line, a beautiful and devout before cascades of monumental slithering. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, well, it's just... Mm-hmm. Uh, There's it, so much in that. It's just this yeah. idea of not knowing what's going on, but it's, it's cascading. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's so visual, but at the same time, very... Mm-hmm. very audi- you can hear it. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's like how audiences move, isn't it? Um, yeah. In yeah. a sense. Like they are, the, they are. You can see them as mm. one organism, but also as like yeah. individual people. And those radio broadcasts with the the huge reverb and and like ev- everything is amplified, isn't it? You know, the whispering and the coughing, and uh, um, and then obviously the the um, the Queen um, uh, being played as well before the the concert starts. Um, but it, it's. It, it, I love the way that it completely switches um, in the in the in the middle stanza. Um, here it goes quickly dark. I lose all but the outline of the still and withering leaves. So we're we're moved instantly from the the concert hall to the um, to the outside, um, which is of course his his own sort of reality. You know, he's sitting there listening to it, and then we 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 kind of move, don't we? Mm. Um, but it's um, it's it's very very powerful. Um, He's so perfect, isn't he? Mm. With 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 economy of detail that is just pitched exactly right. Like the last line, your hands tiny in all that air. I think a lot of writers may have just written your hands, you know, and then. But the idea that they're made tiny, I don't know. I just love the way he doesn't waste a single mm. word in his poems. Um, but each line is just you know so packed as well it's it's quite amazing the way he does that in all of his poems uh, this is why i always love like it's, it's structural everything is very structural there's very strong rhymes in this mm. um every stanza has the same rhyming yeah the, the the rhythm is exactly the same in each line but it doesn't sound like that when you read it no it sounds like he's just sort of chatting with you <laughs> yeah have mm. you ever listened to him read his stuff mm. yes he's he, I mean, he had a very kind of all of a sudden, you're like, "Oh, that's the rhythm." Mm-hmm. The, the way he could, the way he'll pronounce a word that maybe mm-hmm. rises on an, an inflection or, mm-hmm. or whatever he does with that word, he twists it sometimes. The way he's pronouncing it, mm-hmm. and you, and then you can feel the movement of the poem better when yeah. when he reads. Um, uh, uh, yeah, he's 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 it's quite a little joy to discover that way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes his poems, if you hear him read, of course, some poets are dead, and they were. Mm. You know, they weren't able to broadcast their stuff from way back. Well, that's, yeah, broadcast. I mean, it's called broadcast. It's about yeah. uh, it's about this communication that we have. And I, I love I love that. You know, I, mm. I talked 
in the last episode about um, Simon Armitage and the shout and about this idea that how you communicate with people. And th- th- I thought this followed on quite nicely in terms yeah. of what we're doing here with the podcast mm. is we're, we're trying to reach out to people who we've never met quite often. Well, we're um, broadcasting, aren't we? We are broadcasting. But we don't have tiny hands. So <laughs> no, no. no. Um, so, yeah, I, I just yeah. thought quite nice. Old favourite. Um, yep. Should we move on? Yeah, I was going to say also his like contempt for classical music as well because he was <laughs> such a lover of jazz. So that that comes across with the with yeah. the snivelling of the violins, isn't it? Okay, um, yeah, my my poem uh, is um, is Mango by Ellen Van Nerven, which uh, was a bit of a cause celebre a couple of years ago. I'll read the poem first, and then I'll talk about the the, the story that it generated. Um, so this is uh, uh, Mango. Eight years old, walking under the bridge, scrub, swamp, abandoned machinery, insides of tennis balls, bits of fences, meeting the boys at the dam, bikes in a pile, skater shoe soles, not cold in, never is. Boys talking about mangoes, slapping water, some have never had one. Listen to the taste, the squeeze of a cheek, dripping chins. A dog jumps in. They pull on tufts of hair, fill ears with mud, breeze full, clouds break. They remember my birthday is tomorrow. Um, now, you might have heard of that poem, not necessarily because you've heard of Ellen Van Neeren, but you may well have heard of the poem because of the context in which it became... Um, uh, a sort of media storm because it was um, used as a, a poem on an exam paper in Australia and basically students took this exam, very important exam couldn't make head and the tail of the poem and then launched onto social media and basically uh, spent the next 24-48 hours um, shouting at each other about how much they hated the poem and how much uh, it, it, it had ruined their chances, uh, future chances. But also there was a small minority of um, students who uh, found the Twitter account of Ellen Van Neerven and started to abuse her uh, racially. Um, she's an Aboriginal poet. So, of course, the idea is is that, you know, there, there was this huge outpouring of emotion around the poem um, and then, of course, the, 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 the media storm was about the fact that she'd been racially abused. What I didn't realise, though, uh, and that's coming back to the story again, is that there was a, then a, a fresh set of criticism to do with the poet because the poem uh, is called Mango, and that apparently is slang uh, for um, somebody who is uh, a virgin, and that there's a suggestion in this poem that the, the, the girl in the poem is either sexually abused by the boys or is uh, raped. And so the idea is, is that, first of all, there was the storm about, you know, um, the poem and why it was included. Then there was the, the backlash of people, you know, talking about the racial abuse. Then, of course, there was the next wave, which was to do with the idea that why was this poem, which was about sexual abuse, included? And it's, it's further muddied by the fact that the question uh, on the exam paper was to analyse the poem and to focus on how it uh, delights in discovery. And that suggests to me that the, the exam board that actually included the poem 
in their paper didn't necessarily realise what the poem was about. And so you've got students that are tasked with the job of going through the, the, the poem and trying to identify that sense of discovery in the poem. And then you've also got people that are well aware of the fact that the slang is a reference to, um, uh, to, to, to somebody who is a virgin. So, of course, it, it's, a, it's a perfect sort of media storm. And at the heart of it is, I think, a very, very wonderful poem. Very impressionistic, very powerful. Um, and, and there is that wonderful ambiguity in the poem um, and, and the idea that uh, you don't quite know what you're reading and you don't quite know... Uh, what the focus is of the poem and that it is it is delightful and there is discovery but there is it, there's a sort of dark power to it but I mean in in terms of of what students said I mean I'm going to read this out this this is an example of of, of a Facebook message to Van Nierven uh, and and this student said we were asked to analyze your mango fucked poem and I'm asking what the fuck was the point of your mango bullshit um, and that was an example of what one student wrote to Ellen van Nierven. Um, and it's obviously, it's, it's appalling. Um, and why should anyone put up with any of that? But in a way, it just shows you the power of poetry. It shows you what you can achieve, what you can achieve with that ambiguity, what you can achieve with messing around with people's minds. Yeah. yeah. And I, I applaud her for that. Yeah. I, I, I remember reading that poem, because you sent it to me, and... I have to admit, I was looking for an, a way into it. You know, I, I, I viewed it almost at first as a list poem, you know, of all these different things that have been mentioned. And um, I, I then I found, about, found out about how, you know, all the controversy that had happened about it. And it reminded me of that kind of um, sort of like great, debate in art of how much is you know owned by the artist and then how much is let go by the artist mm. once a, a, it, it's released the mm. poem is released and what people put onto it and so you can read that poem in one way in quite an innocent manner i think mm. i don't think that they've been particularly stupid no. at all um of course they didn't mm. see the consequences of this at all yeah. in their when they asked um, people to analyse it, um, and but it, it, it's it's kind of um, I don't know, it's kind of really interesting. Is not enough of a word for this, mm. or well, clever that the misinterpretation of it, of that poem, and how the innocence there's almost a mask upon it mm. on that innocence. Does that actually reflect the content of the poem as well about? something that say if it was a sexual predator or you know if it was children mm. innocently discovering has has the innocence been covered up how it might be in real life and so it gives mm. further potency to mm. the, the the poem itself mm. you know like the misinterpretation has actually helped understand the poem better yeah did it need this controversy in a sort of warped way mm. i don't know i i i, I thought it was mm particularly relevant because i broke it down like man go i thought there might be something to do with man go in it you know that's that i had to look at it somehow yeah and then found you know i found out about it later yeah but yeah it's great if it's causing that debate anyway first yeah i mean you could argue whether or not it was a suitable choice for the exam paper because uh 
Um, but I mean, it's 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 like we have with our unseen poetry in um, the AQA board, um, and and the poems that they uh, supply are really straightforward poems. They are poems that you know that that no one could really misinterpret. Um, yeah. But then you know that that's I, I don't see why students shouldn't be challenged. I don't see why you know um they they shouldn't be in- intellectually challenged in the middle of an exam but then it's their futures it's their gcse's you know and they 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 have to uh, they have to perform so i can understand that how old was there for the exam for um, i don't know that um i could find out but i, I imagine it's like our sort of gcse so like 16 year olds okay well i would say this was suitable yeah. for 16 year olds certainly after yeah. younger you, you but I think the themes yeah. that it addresses yeah. um, are perfectly yeah. okay. Uh, and yeah. what I like about it is the dual layer. So you could yeah. read it as being just about yeah. mangoes and fruit and things. But if, if yeah. you see beyond that and you can see what it represents, yeah. uh, you could write uh, something that's much more uh, much more nuanced yeah. in, in your well, response. Well, I mean, you know, as, as you know, as, as English teachers we equip students with a with a toolkit of, of, of how to analyse a poem and that should work for any poem. Yeah. You know, you get them to look at the title, you get them to look at the beginning, the middle and the end, you get them to look at, you know, who who's saying the poem, where is it set, um, are, are there any examples of sort of what we call neon language, language that kind of stands out. Are there words and phrases that are ambiguous? Is there a, like a semantic field of, of language in the poem? Mm. And, and that's what you equip students to do. So the thing is that they, they should be able to read any poem, re- regardless of the, the quality of the language or the, 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 the underlying sort of subtext. And they should be able to analyse it. And I, you know, and I guess what's happened here is you've got students that were ill-equipped to, to deal with a poem and then just you know, threw their toys out the pram and just couldn't handle it. Because it's the simple language, perhaps. I think yeah. that puts people off, because they say, well... But there's nothing hard here. It's all no. the language is very straightforward. Yeah, it's about mangoes. What what can I say about this? Yeah, I get this when I'm tutoring. Yeah. That they like, they much yeah. prefer it if you've got complicated words sure. because you can get to grips with it. Um, it's, it's much harder to write yeah. about a simple phrase than Absolutely. it is to do a complicated one. But it's also relevant that you know if you want to write poetry and you want to play with your poems a little bit. Um, there shouldn't be a problem with that because it should be fun, yeah, as well. And it should be it should be fun mm. to close read a poem yourself yeah. and see where your imagination takes you. You know, don't be so. It's not a one way thing. These mm. things are alive in a in a sense. You know, you know, trust trust your instincts, or yeah. or maybe get hit hard by your instincts that yeah. when they're wrong yeah. because it's it's all something to go through it's all a mental journey that can be really interesting so yeah i i i, I think it's a good poem definitely for mm. bringing those sorts of things up great okay so shall we move on let's have uh, jay's poem okay this is a a poem by thomas transtromer he's a swedish um, poet, um, and this has been translated into English. Um, it was translated by Robin Robertson. So um, he's a, a translator for um, um, different writers. Um, this poem is called Face to Face. In February, 
life stood still. The birds refused to fly, and the soul grated the landscape as a boat chafes against the jetty where it's moored. The trees were turned away, the snow's depth measured by the stubble poking through. The footprints grew old out on the ice crust. Under a tarpaulin, language was being broken down. Suddenly, something approaches the window. I stop working and look up. The colours blaze. Everything turns around. The earth and I spring at each other. So, I really like this poet. He's um, often described as a liminal poet, a poet that's at the borders of things and enjoys that little grey area between... <clears throat> you know, say, for instance, seasons changing and um, landscape changing. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's the ending that I'm in love with. It's like, for me, it reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen those sorts of action films that stop at the last second and they're just, the enemies just both go at each other. This idea that spring hits you so hard mm. that you like, right, and you, you look into it and it looks into you and there's a whole wave of new being in you or new living. Um, I really like the way it, it prompts that thought in me and that emotion to mm. find joy in seasons and things coming round fresh again, as well, as Larkin mentioned in one of his poems. Um and yeah, it's just those brilliant descriptions of the of the uh, the, the nature in it. Um, how the the landscape is a boat; it chafes against the jetty where it's mm. moored, and you know the soul is is grating like that. I think it's just brilliant. It just describes how we feel sometimes in the gloominess of autumn mm. or winter. Um, and then this line under a tarpaulin language was being broken down written by a poet it's often mm. i don't know what he's trying to get out there all the time i can sense what he's kind of trying to get out the 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 collection as a whole is from a collection called the deleted world mm. so you know it is he saying that that sometimes the atmosphere can crush us a little bit so that we find ourselves not not um being able to reflect upon the world as uh, vibrantly as we normally can, or is he saying that it, he was being pushed towards a newer language, a deeper language, mm. by what he's been being um, uh, experiencing? Mm. And to to use the word tarpaulin, I think is quite a really nice kind of slightly industrial everyday word mm. but an unusual and beautiful word mm. and it plays those different balances out brilliantly and it, you know it's one of those kind of almost shop talk lines you know what poets talk about you know what is the language doing here and so i enjoy it for those different reasons I, I think it must be a technical thing you, you sort of put tarpaulin on the ground to to suppress weeds yeah but underneath it you know the soil is being broken down and uh or maybe it's like a compost heap or something yeah, it, yeah. i think it's a lot of those things yeah. i think that all those different meanings that shoot off of it are um mm. are, are involved in that single mm. sentence it's really quite pivotal in the poem yeah it reminds <clears throat> me of the thought fox ted hughes that, yeah that idea you've got the blank page in front of you and then you're waiting for the thought fox to arrive to yeah. To, 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 to give you um, 
yeah um uh some inspiration and that idea that at the end of the poem the earth and i spring together and everything turns around and there's some sort of inspiration there yeah it takes yeah. you into his perspective doesn't it, does, it straight doesn't away it? Yeah. that he's that he's oh he's you know he's at home perhaps just looking out the window yeah. but it didn't start off in that manner in any way mm. um, i love how uh it, he we combine in this poem the uh, the idea of the landscape with with language i think mm. that's that's my my initial thing here it's uh, the poem itself is the landscape and he's, he's creating all this uh, but i mean i, I think it's it, it is a real place i think he is looking out i don't think he's imagining these things all, mm. all of them um that's i do his favorite i'm imagining maybe um you said he was a scandinavian writer yeah he's swedish yeah there you go so it really feels like that's where we are yeah um, and uh, but no, I, I love how the two things come together r- really kind of neatly. It doesn't it doesn't shout at you too much. It's just sort of yeah. It, it, it's in it's in its own landscape, and the, and the language is literally part of that landscape. Mm. And the, and the words and the poem all come together in this sort of mesh. Yeah, um, that's, that's that's what I like about this. I think I think the line the colours blaze, everything turns around is a great line to remember to yourself that when things are getting bad mm. just look out for the world because there might be something in it that mm. suddenly takes you and cheers you up you know as simplistic as that that the colors blaze and everything mm. turns around is um this trust that sometimes the world is um quite a beautiful place that we forget mm. from our own anxieties and you know um, whatever neurotic thing we're feeling so it's kind of a positive poem like that you know it's, mm. it can cheer you up quite a lot mm. It's definitely it's about that epiphany moment, isn't it? When you when you have an idea for something, when you realise something, it's mm. sort of there, yeah. and and it, it sort of shows you don't have to. It doesn't need some big life changing event for that to happen. You can yeah. just be sitting quietly, and suddenly, ah, yeah, the colours blazed. Mm. Now, now I get. Yeah, I've, I've worked it out. Whatever yeah. it is, <laughs> and what 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 approaches the window like a bear or something? <laughs> You know, who knows? <laughs> a velociraptor. <laughs> <laughs> you never let someone in. It's a postman. Yeah. Uh, could be anything. It could be a white walker. Pizza delivery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I do. I, he's a great writer. You should check him yeah. out. Absolutely. What's his name again? Thomas Transdrummer. Thomas Transdrummer. Okay. Mm. Excellent. So, well, there's it's, our three poems. It's workshop time now, isn't it? And it's time... Watch out. ...for that workshop thing. Which, so we, um, I think Joe, you're going to introduce, aren't yeah. you? It's your idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What have we got to do, and then? We're going to do it as well. I yeah. think that um, we could write a poem that has brand names in it. Okay. I have this idea of trying to incorporate our world a bit more often, so let's, let's, let's use... Um, things we perhaps turn away from, like um, shoe companies or you know soap companies, or you know make this the the uh, enemy to the artistic person. Let's talk about businesses and things okay. like that. So we're um, really trying to sell this poem. Yeah, or yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. Okay. Um, somebody said the other day that advertising is the poetry of capitalism. Um, it's quite an interesting point. So I've talked to people about this. Uh, oh, right. Maybe I after see. when we talk, but I, yes, I, I think advertising and poetry are very closely linked. Oh, I have interesting. A theory about this. Okay, so 
Uh, me and David are clearly on the same page, Simon. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> right. Um, um, so, yeah, f- um, five lines and, um, yeah, you know, put a brand in there, see what you can get. Too. And uh, what wonderful music do we have to inspire us? Well, uh, we should be listening while we're doing that to Jump Steady Blues, which was uh, written and performed by Clarence Pinetop Smith. Uh, who was only 25 when he died, uh, which is very sad. And there's a wonderful little introduction at the beginning of this uh, where it's all explained what's going on. And um, so, yeah, so by the time this has finished playing, we'll, we will have written those poems, won't we? OK, yeah. we, we better not talk over it then. Absolutely, no. Hello, Pontop. What are you doing sitting around here with your head hung down, looking so sad? I just think about all these piano players going around here making big money playing on these records. Well, why don't you play on some of these records? That's a good idea, boy. I believe I start rehearsing right now.
Welcome back to part two of Breaking Lines, episode two. We've all been writing furiously here, doing the workshop that we set you just before that piece of music, and we're going to be reading out what we've done. Um, just to remind you who's here, I'm David Van Corter. We've got uh, Simon Cockle. Hi. And Jay Ward. Hello. And it's the latter of those who is going to begin this particular section because he is the culprit behind this particular workshop. Latter, but not last. Okay, um, yeah, so it was write five lines and try and cram some brands in there that we uh, recognise on the high street or in other places. Um, So this is mine. It's called Poetry Glint. There is a ford where the water doesn't rust. Microsoft upon the land. White beaches shine hope bright. A passing car traces the quicksilver gleam of my smile. That's very clever. I spotted Microsoft and Ford. Yeah. Quicksilver. Quicksilver. Yeah, yeah. that's three. How many were there? Three. Smile. Three. Smile. Oh, smile, of course, yeah, the bank. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so four. Wow, I don't. Th- I don't think wa- water beaches, white mm. beaches. Well, I nearly put smart water in there. You know that glass owl stuff. Smart water is a glass owl, something like that. That is really clever. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. What does it mean? How would you interpret your five lines? I would say. Well, I think it's about like um, suddenly having a smile at uh, a beautiful sight. And thinking that when we write something, we should be thinking the same way. Sounds good to me. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and it's nice to put forward in there, isn't it? It's always nice to in put forward in the poem, isn't it? That's <laughs> Poetry 101, isn't it? Put forward in there. That's always a good thing. I know. Um, yeah, so who's next? Yeah, I'll, I'll go Simon. next. Yeah. Um, see, see how many brands of phone you can spot in my poem. <laughs> I, phone, wrote these lines because it's my Huawei of telling you I love you. Not a song to be Samsung, but a Blackberry clever poem. Ah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm I thinking there. at least five. Yep. iPhone. Yeah, Blackberry. Mm-hmm. How are we? How are we? Yeah. Oh, was that Motorola? Or have I just put that in there? I was going to put Motorola <laughs> in there, but I couldn't find a way. Of it's a very poetic. I don't even know if that exists. It's a very poetic word, isn't it? Yeah, isn't it? Mo- what, what do you mean it doesn't exist? My phone is a Motorola. Oh, is like, it? Have you know? I didn't know they still made phones. Yeah, I still, didn't. I wasn't even sure. They Black made the first phone it. anyway. Did they really? Um, uh, yeah. So five. Yeah, and like Samsung. Yeah. Yeah. That was very sweet at the start. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of kind of sweet and funny. Sweet and funny. Did you that's spot any other? Uh, I think that's a lot. Yeah, I think that's I found good. Them all, yeah. But um yeah, it's interesting both of you have kind of gone for the kind of the pun route, trying to how to kind of cram it in and it, yeah. <laughs> which we will be talking about soon in the yeah. thing. But um no, it's good. I like it. Right. Your turn. Oh. Um, I've, I kind of failed, but also I kind of took a slightly different route because um, I mentioned before that I, I was very interested in the, in the concept, the idea of how advertising and, and poetry link. Yeah. Um, and so I was sort of trying to write about that. And I, was, yeah, I, was, I, I must be able to get a brand name into this. I couldn't. But, uh, but maybe I've accidentally put one in. But OK, so uh, brand names um, hasn't got a title yet. For sale, a poem by one 
get one free. Look closely at the label, a branded multi-pack. So many flavours, variety. On the shelves, my logos glow, forged and welded to the black depth of your irises. Believe by now. Mm. That's deep. Those are phrases we constantly come across, aren't Mm. they, every day and interact with. Mm. We're uh, bombarded by those. But is poetry a commodity? That's the thing, you see. Can you buy and sell poetry? Is Is it a currency? It's it's interesting. I think that the, what you do, it's, I think what you do when you write a poem, when you mm. create it, you're you're using, you're trying to get language, get it into the best yeah. way, the most um, succinct way of putting across your emotion, your mm. idea, or your, so you're, you're selling that p- little part of you, yeah, in a way, and you're trying to communicate that. And this is why I think advertising is similar because mm. you're doing all that, but you're doing it for a product mm. rather than an idea. And people who are who work in the advertising industry uh, do this all the time. They're constantly trying to get a creative way of kind of selling the brand and putting the making it yeah. commit to talk to people and to and to, to connect with people. And sometimes they use poetry. Mm. Uh, they do quite directly sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and nationwide have been doing that a lot, haven't they? Do you mean directly as in badly or directly as in? Um, I've seen bad and I've seen good yeah. attempts. Mm. I, I quite like the nationwide one. I think they've. They seem to have approached people who can write yeah. and try to get sort of commission them to do something that fits nationwide. It's very much performance poetry, though, isn't it? Yeah, or formance, as we call it. Yeah. That's you know, that's what the kids are calling it now, formance. But I think if I'd taken a different path in a parallel universe, mm. I could have worked in the advertising industry and sold my soul to the devil. Yeah, um, and I'd probably be a lot richer than I am now. Mm. What, what I wouldn't is, be as fulfilled. What's mm. interesting about poetry is well advertising is it tries to be quite curt doesn't it it tries Mm. to hit you straight away Mm. no messing around no waffle unless you're advertising waffles yeah and then you know and so poetry tries to do the same really Mm. and there's there's a link there isn't concentrated language yeah 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 like that tomato puree out of the the, you squeeze out of the tube yeah on waffles (laughs) yeah is that what do you eat really that's what I use it for what on top of waffles because <laughs> yeah. they're waffly versatile yeah. they'd have yeah. to be potato waffles beautiful yeah. beautiful Wait, that's a certain generation to your right there, there isn't it well that yeah I mean that's a good example that, that it's immediate mm. you think of potato waffles that's what you think of it's just it's so yeah, waffly versatile absolutely it's yeah. just so in and then you think of many other things and that is an example of advertising working really well yeah. you get a little phrase and it's like oh that yeah I know I know what you mean yeah and it's all encapsulated in those just three or four words that's right um, and poetry is trying to do that all the time trying to get that whole message of what you're trying to say into yeah. a few lines so do you think there's some frustrated poets out there that are working in the ad industry absolutely right? oh yeah. and making as I say far more money than me um, yeah. Yeah. give us your money <laughs> if you can <laughs> who was who it that did um, uh, go to work on an egg was it Margaret Drabble or it was it was a, a, a female writer and she wrote the phrase she she worked in an ad agency and she came mm. up with the phrase go to work on an egg and then she became a a, a well-known writer so well-known i can't remember what her name is but it does yeah. seem to be prominent does it because andy warhol is the first person you mm. kind of think of with the with how, how he linked art and advertising in advertising yeah, yeah. definitely but i'm i'm sure there are poets that have come from that world yeah oh definitely yeah 
and and vice versa. I'm sure there's poets that have gone into advertising and artists as well. I mean, yeah. it's, 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 if you're a visual artist, uh, it works the same way because you know you're trying to sell an idea with a painting and yeah. just to sort of sell a product. And that, that, that's exactly what Warhol was talking about with his. Stuff. Yeah, what's wrong? What's wrong? I mean, you sort of, you know, your views on money and all of that aside, <clears throat> what's wrong with using that as a stimulation to perhaps improve your writing? You know, yeah, um, it's a workshop worth it pursuing. Is, isn't it? Yeah, it is you know, definitely exploring that world mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, Mm. Okay. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well. Um, so, send us your your advertising poems. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, we, wanna, we, wanna we want. We want more. Yeah. Uh, we will be reading in part three. We'll be reading some contributions from the previous uh, podcast. Um, to be alive. And uh, yes. So uh, let's let's move on to our theme for today, which is comedy gold. Sorry, I should do that. Yeah, we need the theme for today, which is comedy gold. Ah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> we talked about this last time and I thought let's yeah okay let's let's do this because right poetry this is my my sort of thing I think about poetry is uh some poetry well poetry can be anything it's just writing basically different types of writing but you can have um really deep kind of emotional moving poetry and you can have funny poetry and you can have somewhere in between and i i've always liked to include elements of humor in what i'm writing and i've I've always been interested in this idea that you can marry these two things together and you can have a really kind of witty lightweight poem on the surface which is actually about really serious things going on and so and, and, and that that lightness is a way in for people you know because they listen and they think oh i i get it you know mm. if you've got someone laughing they're kind of on your side yeah you've got that connection um and then why not then you know hit them with the the, the message the meaning behind it it doesn't have to be a dramatic shift although some poems do that yeah uh but yeah you can and, and a lightness of touch is often a, a great way to communicate mm. i think um so what, what we're going to do we're going to try and read we, we got i think we've each got an um a poem that we yeah. in either we think is funny or is supposed Quirky, to be funny supposed to be or funny. supposed to be serious but or, is actually funny well yeah all of that might yes. come into it <laughs> um and the idea is do we find it funny uh, is the humor working is the humor adding to it or is it kind of detracting from what's going on that's sort of what i thought we'd talk about yes. um so i went with one of my um favourite performance poet certainly yeah. is uh, John Higley yeah he's did you'll see him around he's always on tour always doing things he's done many books uh, and comes from lives nearby uh, we're recording this in Hitchin and he lives in Luton just down the road um, and uh, this is one of his poems from the, the, the recent collection called Uncut Confetti I say recent probably a few years ago um, <laughs> the poem is called Messiah This messiah walks into a bar and asks for a drink of tap water. Why don't you buy a drink for a change instead of changing water into one, says the barman. Buy one? With what? asks the messiah. How come you never have any money? Because I don't believe in it. What do you believe in? I believe in you. I love you. Don't give me that. You buy a drink or you get out. Oh, come on. What does a drink of water cost? It costs me labour to pour it. You take up space to drink it and I have to wash the cup up after you. And what if you break it? Who pays then? I could mend it. Perform a miracle, you mean? And have everyone crowding around in amazement and not buying drinks? 
No thanks. Out. <laughs> yeah. Quite like the ending. Like the, uh, um... Yeah, I suppose you're going to perform your miracles in here, are you? I yeah. do like that one, yeah. Was it? Does it start, this messiah walks into a bar? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I thought, I thought it had to, yeah. uh, anything that starts with a, a classic joke trope, yes. uh, that would fit. Um, so that's partly why I chose this one. But I mean, he's written a lot of funny stuff, which is actually quite serious. Yeah. Um, and some of it is just nonsense. Yeah. Uh, but there's a kind of um, a beauty to the nonsense sometimes, mm. which is sort of get t- catches you off guard and you kind of, uh, was I meant to laugh at that? that kind yeah. Of thing. Um, and this one is actually a, a quite a serious thing about religion. You know, yeah. if you look into it, I mean, yeah. he's, but he set it up in the kind of it. Mm. Oh, here's, here's this joke about someone walking into a bar. Mm. You know? um, and and I, I can say so this is sort of an example of what I was saying. You can put the two things together and try and help make. What, what, what do you what do you think? That's very clever. So think, there's an anti-capitalism sort of message there as well, isn't there? And uh, but it's, it's it's said in a funny way. Well, there's a yeah. humanity. Yeah. Um, issue there isn't there that you know the the the, the social interaction here is you buy mm. a drink yeah but i just want a glass of water yeah you know and the kind of problems that that can bring up because mm. i tell you there's a village not far away from here and i won't say where it is mm-hmm. because it will identify the pub yeah <laughs> where they the guy wouldn't let me use the toilet really yeah just what, to go in there unless, a customer unless i bought a drink which village that is? Huh? Sounds reasonable. Do you think so? It's, it's his. It's it his. Sounds facility. insane. It's private. Wasn't pressed enough. No. <laughs> no. Uh, Simon, John, yes, John, yes. What have you got? Well, I was looking on uh, Twitter yesterday, and I came across a poet, and uh, he's written a poem, and he's including it on his uh, 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 his Twitter account, and I read it. And I didn't know whether to laugh uh, or not to laugh um, because... Well, I'll read it to you. The, the poet's name is Ethan J. Precum, and that's Precum spelt P-R-E-C-O-M-B-E. So if you wanted to actually look up this poet. And this is a poem that he's written, and I kid you not, the title is Balls Deep in the Rockies. Wow. Okay? So here we go. Night Falls... And my tent flaps flap in an ancient breeze that wells from nowhere. But somewhere, a raccoon wails like Hendrix tuning his guitar. Far on the horizon, jagged peaks of mountain rock punch the sky repeatedly until it bleeds a sunset into the sweater of trees that hug the chest of the foothills. I am the earth, I become the sky... And now and then the river sings through my lungs and gushes from my mouth like a wet song of the summer. The universe explodes in my right hand and love pools at my feet. Yeah. Yeah, so it's powerful stuff. Um, but, I mean, I just I just can't, I can't get with it at all. It's just so overblown and just so completely... You know, every every metaphor and simile is stretched until it falls apart, and I just, I just. It's quite violent in the middle, doesn't it? It is quite violent in the middle. That's right. Yeah, um, that the the punching the sky repeatedly until it bleeds the sunset into the sweater of trees. Yeah, and then we get the sweater, and then the chest, and then the foothills. So <laughs> it's that kind of a yeah. metaphor. 
Yeah. I mean, my night falls and my tent flaps flap. Yeah. Yeah, so there's there's a lovely bit of uh, assonance there. But I just, I mean, it, I find it funny, but other people might find it deadly serious. I think Ethan finds it very serious, otherwise he wouldn't have written it, but... Yeah. There you go. Perhaps. One to watch. Come on then, Jay. Okay, what you got for us? I picked one at random. Right. Okay. From an old, an old Ogden Nash book I was given to once by somebody... By somebody. Yeah. By someone who um, nearly broke my foot in a football game. Oh, really? And they came round and said, here, here's this Ogden Nash book. I hope you feel better. Yeah. By the way, you know, you subbed. <laughs> <laughs> well, the healing power of poetry is well known. Yeah. So, thanks for that um, person. I can't remember who it was. I'm so sorry. I, actually, I do remember. It was somebody called Russell. Thanks, Russell. Okay. This is a poem called Old Men. Mm-hmm. People expect old men to die. They do not really mourn old men. Old men are different. People look at them with eyes that wonder when. People watch with unshocked eyes. But the old men know when the old man dies. There you go. That's Old Nash with his witty little insights into old people. What do we know about Ogden Nash? I feel I should know more about Ogden Nash than I do. Frederick Ogden Nash was an American poet well known for his light verse, of which he wrote over 500 pieces. With his unconventional rhyming schemes, he was declared the country's best known producer of humorous poetry. Thanks, Siri, for that information. So do you, do you find that poem funny? I find it... Um, no. No, I don't. I'll be honest, I found that at random. I think yeah. that bit of the episode today has failed. <laughs> but it hasn't because the, the discussion's been about can poetry be funny? And yeah. Ogden Nash is, as we've just discovered you know, part of the pantheon of, of, of uh, comic, you know, light comic poet writers. Yeah. Uh, and we've just proved there that, you know, his comedy doesn't necessarily travel into the 21st century. So. I think, I mean, I think he's written some other ones that are funnier. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, that, this is from, I mean, his famous phrase is, liquor is quicker, candy is dandy. Oh, yeah. That's what it's, it's quite a witty yeah. phrase, isn't it? It's quite funny. Yeah, you know. like Dorothy Parker, isn't it? Um, it's very hard to write comedy. Yeah, it's, yeah. You know, it's as simple as that. Comedy writers tend to, they tend to be the go-to people, don't they, for yeah. written comedy? There's not, <laughs> there's not, you know, you don't watch an episode of The Office and it's written in a certain poetic yeah it's not written <laughs> well, in poetic form <laughs> Inside Number 9 had a whole oh, well, uh, whole episode yeah, yeah, they're geniuses aren't they, they? Are. but they, you so. know they, they embraced it they went right we're going to do a Shakespearean episode it's all going to be rhyming oh Shakespeare is the the standard isn't he yeah. really for those sorts of things maybe not for comedy gold but you know, no uh, trying no. to explain all the jokes in Twelfth Night in Act 2 Scene 5 <laughs> yeah to, to a group of year 8 is really hard <laughs> what was the um, real tennis Oh, real tennis yeah, in Henry V, yes. Because yeah. he does loads of puns, doesn't he? Does, does loads of dad puns, and then he says, I'm going to kill every single French person when yeah. I come over. So it's kind of dad puns, and then it's like deadly serious, isn't it? Yeah. Well, puns, yeah, puns are a whole thing. Aren't yeah. they? It's like, do, are, do, are they funny? A lot of people don't find them funny at all. No. Um, 
in a poem, when you add a lot of, when you use a lot of puns, you, you're kind of doing it on purpose to yeah. try and uh, bring out the, the, the show off your language. Yeah, show your skills, skills to pay the bills. Yeah, and we, we had it a bit with the, with the logos. You know, you're kind of trying to cram it into a line, and that is this sort of funny. Is it, is it working? Yeah, um, and I think there's a place for that. But yeah. does that is that kind of a, a better not better? But does that have value? Do you think? Do you think yeah. trying to just be funny in a poem does that have value, or is it kind of wasting the opportunity of of what a poem it's can a, be? It's, it's, isn't it a desperation thing? It's you mm. know you have to be so subtle yeah with your writing skills to make something funny I think one person's funny poem is another person's deeply you know religious experience isn't it <laughs> as, as we as we will and have discovered there's funniness and lightness yeah. isn't there yeah yeah you can do have a light touch yeah. you know there's a lot of poets that do that um yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, wendy cope's a good sort of popular example uh, yeah she can she can have a lightness of touch which is is, is still sort of serious but kind yeah. of makes you, you go, oh that's clever you know she's yeah. done there with the scheme and that's what uh, and and yeah i, I think like there's a pl- there is a place for light verse but also you've got 90 percent of poetry which is light verse which is doggerel and terrible yeah. that you might kind of randomly find online or something. And you read loads mm. of that and you think, oh, this person is just rhyming for the sake of it and he's, thinks he's the most hilarious person in the world. But or actually, she. Or she. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. You know, and, and, and that that is not good for poetry, no. I don't think. It's not a, a positive voice in the world of poetry. But it's, it is not, no. As I say, it's at least 90% of what is out there is that yeah. kind Poet of stuff. Twee. Yeah. That's yeah, clever. Well, it's a thing, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? There's a sting of poetry. Yeah. You know. But I think um, there's a backlash against that inside a lot of magazines that won't take humorous poetry no. because they, they, they just, as soon as they see some something funny in it, yeah. they kind of push it away because it's, it's part of that 90% that they don't yeah. bother with. They don't publish that sort of thing, you know. Mm. And so I, I, that I mean, certain I, snobbery. You know? I quite like dark humour, but if you write a dark humoured poem, yeah. there's a good chance that someone's just going to look at you like, yeah. well, you're a maniac. What, what was that? You know, mm. what you've just said. Yeah. And they won't see no. the funniness in it. But in a conversation with you, they might have laughed if you said it. I wonder whether or not the default mode of poetry is is strokey chin serious yeah, nod, nodding at the much. end yeah and so therefore if you do anything funny people will think oh well obviously it was very ironic it wasn't meant to be funny it was like it's it's like kind of ironically funny Post-modern but of course it's deeply serious ironic. so anyway um that was the end of part 2 almost we're going to set one more workshop yes i'm all ready oh, to go well i think people send in your thoughts on that yes topic no, do. because yeah. Yeah, we want to hear it's a really interesting topic yeah and you know if you have any funny poems and you want to send them to us and perhaps maybe say why you like them or why you find mm. them funny for yeah. whatever reason or send us a serious poem <laughs> <laughs> we and we'll start laughing at but you know but yeah this is the point you know um, it would be nice to hear yeah 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 we could you know take your serious poem and Rip it to shreds in a internationally listened to podcast. Yeah, if 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 um pre-comes listening, <laughs> well, know. if Ethan wants to send in yeah. any more poems, um, yeah. more the merrier. I'll we'll gladly take any of pre-com. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a, a lot of that stuff. I've, I've written on my notes here. What makes a funny poem? Question mark. The answer might just be if it's terrible. If it's terrible, yeah. yeah.
Yeah, it could be a lot of the time. <laughs> Shall I give all the folks a workshop? Okay. Yes, write us right. a terrible poem in this workshop. Ah, no, this is, the, this is it. So what I want is I want everyone to write a tanker, which is like a haiku, 575, but there's two extra lines which are seven and seven syllables. So it's basically 57577. So what do we know about Japanese poetry? It's always very tranquil and it's calm and it's all about noticing sort of beauty in flowers and petals and things like that so what i want you to do is i want you to write a tanker about something which is quite clearly wildly inappropriate as the subject matter that you would choose a tanker to write about so obviously we know that you know it's contemplative tranquil poetry but i want you to choose a subject which is the complete opposite you want to subvert it a little so, bit. So, yeah, so basically think of something that you want to write about that's completely inappropriate to make a tanker out of, and that's the workshop. OK, that, this is April Kisses by Ed Lang. Thank you. 
Welcome back to part three of Breaking Lines. And we're all still here. I'm David Van Corter and I have Simon Cockle with me. Hello. And Jay Ward. Hey. Hello. So in this fi- final part, well, in the previous part, we asked you to write a tanker. Uh, yes. This was Simon's thing. Okay, so um, so obviously I, I was thinking, you know, tanker, sort of quiet, tranquil, um, you know, focus on nature and beauty and so on. So I've written a, a tanker about D-Day. Bullets strafe the beach as all around heads explode, sending bone shards flying as a spitfire crashes down, destroying a German tank. Wow. Okay, so completely nice. inappropriate choice of poetic form there. <laughs> <coughs> Excellent. Okay, uh, well, yep. I, I will follow that because I've I've taken up the same idea. Good. I think it's because it's called a tanker. <laughs> Very clear. <laughs> yeah. So I've got a tank battle tanker. Yeah. The wheels of the tanker go rumble and crunch, death spewing from its mouth. It's harsh. My lead soldier words will need some glue all day long. That was very good. Yes, I like that. That was very clever. That's a success. Uh, um, tank in the tanker. Tanker, yes. Uh, the, the A is on the next line. That's why the wheels of the tank. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to, I didn't know how to read that. but uh, yeah. yeah. Very impressive. Well, I'm, I'm just, uh, yeah, I thought, mm, is, is it inappropriate? But it's sort of, uh, I thought, um, mm. let's make it... Um, uh, a, small, a small version of tanks because that's then it's not so um, well, I don't know taking away from the seriousness of war <laughs> well precisely you don't want to do that <laughs> don't want to do that not this close to Armistice Day <laughs> so it was it was that balance of I want to get the tone right so yeah. I don't know if it's there but that's, that's there you're not even wearing a poppy are you uh, no I'm not <laughs> <laughs> I don't know so uh, uh, Jay did you manage to do anything yeah yeah um I called mine Lost Dream. Thunder, blood, iris. Loud waterfall of glasses. Bin people are here. Bin people are here again. The nightmare of recycling. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. Nice. (laughs) It's my tanker. That's that's a poem for my next door neighbour, that one. (laughs) (laughs) You know when you just get that sound of... Yes. It's like, time to get up, because I'll never be able to concentrate again. We missed ours last, uh, on Saturday. <gasps> Shocking. I know, it was the actual rubbish bin, not the recycling, so... Oh. So we don't get any hot weather over the next uh, couple of weeks. Mm. Mm. Nice. Oh, I like that. I like that. It's <laughs> good. Thanks. Well, three great poems there, and uh, I think now we're going to kind of get interactive now, aren't we? Yes, we've got some feedback from people. Um, we've got some questions. Yes. We've got some contributions, and uh, so, yeah, what have you got yeah. over there, well, Simon? Well, we had a, an email from, from a Mr. Uncracker of Dulwich, who says, I always find it hard to write poems that rhyme. Do you have any advice ah. for Mr. Uncracker? So what, what do we think, then? Rhyme or not rhyme? How do we do it? What what do we do as poets? Get by a rhyming dictionary. Very good, yeah. Or look up or, or an rhyme. app, a rhyming app. You yeah, can find app. those. Yeah, I a use one of those. App. A rhyming app. They're kind of okay. <laughs> okay, I use one called Rhyme Zone, which is Rhyme really zone. good. Yeah. So and you can type in a word, and it will give you like 
No, they are good, aren't they? Yeah, they yeah. give you like 50 words um, with one syllable that rhyme and then 50 w- words with two syllables and then three and four. And it also does half rhymes as well. Oh, so they get all like yeah. trochet and I am about it. And yeah, kind of I mean, it's, it is really useful. Um, but, but I mean, I, 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 I like... I, I, I've come to like rhyme more as I've written poetry because I, I always try to avoid doing it at all costs and now I'm far more inclined to do it but not end rhyme I quite like rhyme in the middle of Internal lines rhymes. yeah little little rhyme bombs that you're reading a line and all of a sudden a word rhymes with the previous line and you didn't expect it to so I quite like that I think on the last podcast yeah. I talked about or the last episode I talked about being into hip hop listen to yeah. listen to loads of hip hop yeah. Just listen to all the rhymes. There's constant rhyming in there. It's yes. rhyme overload. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's just too much rhyme. It's just it? too much rhyme, yeah. you know. Well, so I'd so what are we saying to Mr. Uncracker? We're saying get get hold of an app or or a rhyming dictionary and or or maybe don't use it. Don't use it if you don't want to. <laughs> I'm I'm a little reticent of this uh, this advice because it's mm. like saying, okay, I'm going to write a line, and now I need to uh, think of another line which uh, rhymes yeah. with that line. Yeah. And, and if you do that, you're a slave to your poem. Yeah. Um, I say, go with your gut. Uh, if it's if it feels like it wants to rhyme, keep it rhyming. Yeah. Um, if it's just not doing that, make it free verse. I think that's mm. either is fine. Um, I'm not a you know I'm not one of these people who just like a lot of editors they say oh we don't want rhyming we don't yeah, yeah, no, mm. none of that nonsense because that's not modern. I, I, I don't agree with that. I think there's yeah. a great tradition of rhyming poetry and you shouldn't shy away from that no, as you say it, is, it happens in rap all the time a lot of spoken words yeah. stuff is a lot full of rhymes mm. so don't yeah don't shy away from it but just don't be a slave to it. don't be a you know yeah oh it's not a proper poem if it if it, if it doesn't rhyme every yeah. line you know. don't be a rhyme whore yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that, that, you know you just rhyme then if it doesn't rhyme every line <laughs> that's very clever well, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Cracker, for writing in for that one. And uh, another, um, uh, a letter this time from Fenula Pelt of Thetford, who asks, what is a Sestina and is it worth writing one? Very much so. Very what, much so. Do we all know what a Sestina is? Uh, I do. I've... Um, but I'll let you answer the question. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, it's a... Thir- well, Fenula, it's a 39-line poem. Uh, of which the first 36 lines are divided up into six verses and at the end of every line in the verse you get six words so there are only six words Um, so it might be cat, dog, mouse, rat, beaver, giraffe and then in the next verse you have the same end words but this time in a slightly different order until eventually after the sixth verse you've gone through all the different combinations of those six words and then the final three lines contain is it the six words again sort of the 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 first line has the two of the words the second line two of the words and then then the final line yeah so in total it's 39 lines and yeah so the the final three are sort of a compact version of what you've just done and i've only ever written one and it took me forever. <laughs> and uh, so my advice to, to Miss Pelt of Thetford is probably write one and get it out of your system and then <laughs> never write another one. But there are 
There is the not the there's the tristina, isn't there? Where you just do it with three lines on it. Yeah, yeah. Go for. I mean, it's you. Can, yeah. Look, I always think that you should challenge yourself. Yeah. To try and fulfil a form of poetry. Yeah. You know, a poetic like form. A sonnet, or if a, you can, yeah. because it's a great way of uh, shaping words mm. and rhythms outside of your normal kind of pace yeah. of thought. It's a and discipline, it's, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. it's a beautiful thing to do. To yeah. You might come across a way of... Mm. You might come come across a talent that you didn't yeah. realise that you had. Some people yeah. can just bash out a sonnet. They're mm. very good at it. And, yeah. you know, they had, they would have had to have challenged themselves in the very first place to do it. Precisely. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say get, do as mm. many forms as you can. Yeah. Um, and they will at first they will be very clunky they will yeah. just not be good poems mm. but if you can do it you know if you can force it into a sonnet form or whatever yeah. you're trying to do sonnet isn't too bad you can sort of get right yeah. you can mess around a bit with sonnet something like a sestina is harder work because you've got to use the same word yeah. uh, so that there's levels it's like level one level yeah. two level three yeah. <laughs> and you can just yeah. sort of keep challenging yourself to write a yeah. more complicated form but don't expect the poem to be brilliant and don't no. send it into the National Poetry Competition because it won't win. No. Uh, but it's good practice. Yeah. And, and also you um, might, if, you, if you're not very comfortable with what you've mm. written, you might have written two lines though within it that are, very, that are great yeah. and that you can use somewhere else. Mm. You, yeah. know, you might have you know, discovered something else yeah. in it and just you had to write that form to find those lines. Yes. Um, yeah, just go for it, you know, and do it. Mm. Okay, well, play around with it, and then you, yeah. you can say to somebody, I wrote a Sestina today. What did you do? Absolutely, yeah. What have you achieved? What have you done with your life? And they will say, What's a Sestina? Yeah, and then you refer them to this podcast. Well, there you go, uh, uh Miss Pelt. I uh, hope you enjoyed our um response there. And uh, I think we have one more uh question. Uh, was that from, from Jay? Yeah, I um got something from a fellow called Dan, and he's Interested in poetry, but he he wasn't sure. He wanted to get into poetry more, um, and he was interested in why we might write it. And he was trying to find an avenue into poetry, mm. basically, because he feels there's something there that he likes, but he can't quite... I, I went on a, a creative writing course at the University of Hertfordshire, and I remember that the guy that taught it said with any kind of writing, not just poetry. It, it's a bit like a bucket of sand. If you want to make a, a sandcastle, you need a bucket of sand. You can't just, you know, do it with yeah. an empty bucket. And it's the same with poetry. If you don't write words down on the page, you're never going to get any poetry. So my advice would be get a notebook or, or a, a laptop or something and just write, just write from left to right and just keep going. You know, just get your ideas and your thoughts down. Because that, that's the raw material for poetry. And then you can look at it and you can start to shape it into what you want it to be. You can start to break it into lines or into verses. You can edit it. You can, um, you know, you can, on a computer, you can do whatever you want with it. But I think the key thing is to get the words down on the page yeah. rather than sitting there with a blank page and thinking right I'm going to write a sonnet so I need the first two lines to rhyme and then you spend all morning trying to find two lines that rhyme when so, it, so what, yeah. why do we write what is it that we like about poetry as well uh, I mean from my own personal it. point of view I love language and I love I love doing stuff with language and making it kind of perform 
and I like creating images and I like um, I like telling a story but using the, the medium of poetry so to do you it. like to experiment a lot kind of play with things you like yeah I, I do but I don't I, I have to say a lot of my experiments don't necessarily end up printed out I mean mm. they uh, you know they kind of stay as experiments but but like I say, it, it's about getting words down on the page, and, and if you don't do that, you've got nothing, no raw material to work from. And my advice is to have something to say. Uh, don't just say I want to be a poet. And you know, this is yeah, where, don't pose. Yeah, this is mm. where the bad poets come from because they think oh, and they, and they come down and it's sort of doggerel yeah. because they they haven't got anything no. to say. Um, have a reason to do it. You know, mm. say right. Well, I, I'm really a I'm really annoyed about something. Write about it, you know. Um, mm. And and with that comes out, and there's the power and the emotion comes out in that. Mm. It doesn't. The, the poetry will follow. You know. Yeah. Um, you can then look at it and go, uh, right. Well, I've I've got the emotion out, but I haven't written it very well. Uh, the, the words are a bit cliched or whatever, and that's the editing process. That's when you go back and go, right. Now I'm going to make it into something that is a poem, <laughs> and mm. not just this is how I feel about something. Um, so that's, that's the initial impetus. Uh, but mm. in practical terms, I would suggest doing that for a bit. If you think you've got something good, mm. join a poetry group and get some feedback from yeah. other people because sitting there by yourself, writing your masterpiece, it's not a masterpiece. It really isn't. You need other, you need people to, to kind of listen to it and, and yeah. suggest how you improve. Um, so I suggest that. And also read. Read poetry. Yeah, read. And you probably you'll have a phase where you sound like one of your favourite writers. That's fine. I think everyone has that phase. You know, it's a like like passage, isn't it? I, I wrote every poem that was trying to pretend to be Larkin for most of my teenage years. You know? Yeah, well, I don't uh, even know if you even are aware of it, mm. you know. And, and so what, you know, mm. if you've got to do that, you've got to do that. Um gradually you find your voice gradually yeah this thing about the voice yeah and this is why reading more helps because you'll read one and you go oh this is better and then you'll read someone else like Elliot was my next sort of thing and then suddenly my it wasn't it was somewhere between Larkin and Elliot while I was writing yeah obviously nowhere near as good but it was in that sort of voice <laughs> and then gradually you kind of pick your way through by reading more there's an interesting in the play here isn't there between fear so fear and action this thing of like don't don't be worried if you're being egotistical don't worry about i i i in a poem mm. now a lot of people would disagree with that but i personally i think yeah. it's important to get your emotion out mm. and mm. then you can change the tense or things later yeah. if you want to yeah but get it out get it out and be true to you and then um also as much as your ego is out there don't be scared to show somebody as well yeah you know it's that in interplay of like being, being brave being yourself but also yeah. being brave and showing somebody yeah. um, I think it's really important mm. you know you need to learn to accept mm. criticism is very important uh, mm. if you think everything you've written is precious and can't be changed then you're never going to improve no. um, so I think that's important well, you're never going to discover things mm. you're never going to discover things and it should mm. be about that at some level about discovering things one other thing I'd add is that uh, if you want feedback on your poems, a really great place to put them is the internet. So, for example, there's a, there's a site called, I think it's Hello Poetry, and basically what you can do is you can upload your poems, you get an account, upload your poems, and then people read them and comment on them. But I would say one 
issue there is that if you then take those poems and you think, oh yeah, I'd love them to be in a magazine or I, I'd, I'd really like, you know, to, to try to get them published on, you know, uh, on a, a poetry blog or poetry site, they will, uh, if, if, you, if your poems have been on Hello Poetry or any one of those free sites, they will say that it's already been published and they won't accept it because poetry magazines and sites yeah. very rarely will ever take a poem if it's previously been published elsewhere and they consider those types of sites as having been published in fact if you put a poem on facebook if you if it's not a closed group technically that counts as publishing Mm. if it's globally read yeah Yeah. that's right so you have to be really careful i mean i i wrote six poems and put them on hello poetry and then realized that those six poems i would never be able to do anything with because they'd been published already, so you know, no magazine would take them, no, no other poetry website would take them. So it's a good job I didn't put like sixty poems on there because they'd all be, you know, uh, useless now. Um, be careful. Yeah, you've got to be careful. I mean, it depends on how serious you want to be about poetry. But but if you just want to write because you like writing and you want to get that poem out there for people to 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 read, then by all means use those sites. But you just have to realise that you've kind of, you know, you've done that poem in, as it were. So you had some further feedback, Dave? Um, well, yes, I had some contributions. Um, so I've cool. got... Um, Please uh, contribute. Yes, yes, love it, do. love it. Do, should we remind everybody of our um, uh, email address? Uh, oh, yes, yes, if you want to, uh, want to get in touch, uh, we do have an, e- e- uh, an email address. It's uh, breakinglines575, so that's all one, all one word, Break, breakinglines 575 at gmail.com and uh yes yeah, so any 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 feedback at all is good um uh, particularly if you have something poetic to add that, that some of you any of the workshops we've done so last uh, in the last episode uh we were writing haikus about the beatles and we were also writing uh 25 word poems that were about something amazing and big uh, we also talked quite a lot about uh, music and lyrics and um, uh, one of our listeners, John Callahan, has uh, sent in a uh, something that combines two of those um, together. Uh, so he's written a 25-word poem called Music and Lyrics. This is by John Callahan. Music, the interference of even two tones interacting, produces instinctive emotional resonance. Lyrics, assembling a pile of recyclables, hoping that their silhouette is meaningful. Mm. Oh, very good, John. Yeah, I like that. I like that one, yeah. And the lyrics. Mm. I think that's great. I, I, know, I know, John, he's a, he's a musician. So, oh, right. Uh, and he's, uh, yeah, so he, he knows about how these things the familiar tools. work together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was interested to get his feedback about you know, how these, those two things mm. work together. I think we, we touched on it a bit yeah. last, last time. Um, but uh, I, I don't think we're quite going into the depth of what makes a poem a poem and a lyric a lyric. I know it's a kind of an ongoing conversation. Oh, yeah, that's an but, entire uh, podcast, really, isn't uh, it? It's, uh, we, we tried to. Yeah. So listen, if you haven't heard it... You say lyrics are slightly limited in by saying that they're recyclables. Mm. But I like that because mm. it's about trying to find an extra sort of chink of light of meaning in something that's been done many times before. 
I like um, I like the phrase uh, hoping that their silhouette is meaningful. Yeah, mm. uh, it's, yeah. it's it's nice. The, 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 the idea of lyrics having a silhouette uh, is 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 you know it's, it's just really good. It's yes, really, it is. It's yeah. a sort of visual idea bringing together the mm. yeah. It's like shadows on a wall or something. And mm. Yeah, and 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 about how it reflects. I mean, so that's so it's corrected by the, the the light that reflects. So it's about it's not just a one way thing. It's about how it's how, how the listener responds to them. Yeah. Uh, one for the liner notes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so the and the other the other one we've received. Uh, this is uh, so this is from Rachel Haynes who has sent us a, um, a Beatles haiku. Right. Our household spring clean. Tape recorder blares, Beatles, we harmonise, dust. Ooh, I really like that. Yeah, I like that, the final word, dust. Dust as a noun or dust as a verb. Harmonise dust, that's really good. Well, that's clever too, isn't it? Yeah, I like that. There's a lot of things going on in that, in such a small... Because dust uh, is small and scattered. Yeah. But yet it's various and many... Mm. It's beautiful. Mm. Well, there you go. It shows what you can do in a haiku. Very and, talented uh, person, Rachel is. Yeah, well, mm. yeah, very nice. Mm. So there we go. So if you've got any, I mean... Tape recorder. Yeah. <laughs> it's very, recorder. exactly. It's very, yeah. It suits the dust as in yeah. something kind of ancient or older. Do you remember cassettes? Do you remember them? Of course. Yeah. What was all that about, eh? They were amazing. But this, I mean, this is so obviously set, so it even gets a, a set of the, um, uh, the, there's a timing going yeah. on here. We know that it's of a certain era because yeah. of the tape recorder. Yeah. Um, yes. So it must have, it's a childhood memory. Yeah. Uh, and it's just that detail of the tape recorder gives mm. you, suddenly we know where we are, what era we're in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so you've got this idea of the whole childhood and how it's associated with the Beatles and that, that, yeah. that's really nice. Um, Blair, I love that word. Blair, when something blares. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. like Tony. On, onomatopoeia, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's blaring. Yeah. It's like, Blair. It's, it's quite visual as well, though. Like, it takes yeah. over, it paints the room. Mm. Yeah. Blair. It does, doesn't anyway. it? Good, good hike, Well, thanks for that, Rachel. And, uh, yes, as I say, if, if, any, if you've got any more from those, those kind of things or anything we've done today, mm. please send them to the email yeah, address. Yeah, we'd love it. the email address will be included in the uh, description of this podcast on both iTunes, Podbean, Acast, yep. and quite possibly SoundCloud, but mm. mainly the first three that I mentioned. And any other links we th- remember to do yeah. within the episode itself we'll put links into the poems that we've read today yeah links into the poems yeah all of that yeah no that's great and um, uh, we're almost at the end now so um, thanks very much for listening Um, we were just going to on the subject of of plugs we were just going to plug one other thing that's happening plug satchel Uh, plug satchel yeah yeah. we can't use the plug satchel that's already (laughs) been done (laughs) not rip off it'll be the first email it'll be a complaint you will from Scott Orkerman we uh, we mentioned in the last uh, podcast that uh, both myself and Simon have got uh, books that have just been published. We have um, on Aranig Press. I think we say Arenig. Arenig. We, we've. <laughs> you say Aranig. Maybe maybe we'll sort that out by the by the time <laughs> by we. The twenty ninth of, of May. When we go and stand in front of people. <laughs> so no, I hope not. I hope you're. I hope you're, I hope you're arguing. <laughs> 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 
And the owner's looking at you. <laughs> it costs three quid to get in, doesn't it, to our badge? Uh, it does, yes. Yeah. yeah, so the Poetry Cafe in Betterton Street in London is the place to be on Wednesday the 29th of May. At seven o'clock. Seven o'clock. Uh, we're going to be launching both our books and also... Gareth um, Wright-Davis. also with a, a recent book. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yes, yeah, so come along. Uh, please bring... 20 friends and uh, yeah. you will be entertained uh, so we're going to be both going to be reading and yeah. um, well, all three of us and then we might have a bit of Q&A at the end yes. which will probably sound a lot similar to what you've just been listening to <laughs> we could record a podcast there, we couldn't could. we yeah, off the stage yeah why not <laughs> I'll be there as well like, so you yeah. can ask me questions yes. like why, why haven't you got anything published what's going on <laughs> oh, <that's... laughs> you have and we can sit there in uncomfortable silence with each other <laughs> no, you've, you've, you're in you're in anthologies. Oh, lots of anthologies, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a book, isn't it? Yeah. It's just. Well, you're saying I'm lazy. It's true. No, I'm not saying lazy. <laughs> um, T- time and persistence. That's the answer. Um, yeah. So well, I'll be going. So it'd be good, and it'll yeah. be a busy night. So you can and come and talk to us and Gareth. say and meet us in the flesh, as it were. Mm, but I can. No, no, I was, talk- <laughs> I was talking to the iPhone. I was talking to you. Anyway, I was just people. looking in that direction. I mean, you. <laughs> well, thanks very much. Simon. That's all right. That's okay. <laughs> but we'll uh, we'll try to include a link to the the, the site for the, yeah. the the event as well yes. under the podcast, so yeah. you don't have to remember all this stuff. It will be good. I will be trying to get one of you to heckle the other one yeah. with Aaron Egg. As soon as they say the wrong pronunciation. Setford. I think <laughs> Shout Setford. And um, that's enough of the plugs and that's enough of the podcast. Uh, so thank you very much for listening to Breaking Lines, episode two. Uh, don't forget there is also an episode one if you haven't seen it. And <laughs> listen to it, Rod. And, um, well, you could have seen it. Um, it's yeah. a big window behind us. There could be someone looking in. There could be, yeah. Uh, so um, and there will be a third one hopefully um, oh, we'll see, of see yeah, how many... at least a third one well, it's yes. not a fourth one well, we're going we're gonna to have um, what was it six seasons I think I said at the beginning six so, seasons yeah plus Christmas special oh Christmas special Christmas special yeah, yeah. and um, there's going to be summer special you remember summer specials remember in the 70s summer specials they had them on in, on BBC in, in, the, in, in the summer we were special programs. They were like variety shows. We so we called summer program. specials. Yeah, you remember them? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end. Goodbye. <laughs>